But, he went on to say, there is one thing that we can try. That little bit of light makes a whole lot of difference. You and I live today in a world that is dark. It is dark with the despair of its own godlessness. The philosophies of man, void as they are of anything eternal and transcendent, produce despair and hopelessness. The Apostle Paul calls God the God of hope in Romans 15:13. Where there is God, there is hope. Where there is no God, there is no hope. The Apostle further describes the unsaved in Ephesians as saying, having no hope, they are without God in the world. No hope, because without God. The darkness that we see around us did not begin in this century, although we often think of it that way. Actually, the darkness of the human race began as a result of the fall and right after it. The fall brought death, destruction, idolatry, and godlessness that overtook the human race. Despite the revelation of God in the Old Testament and through his people, Israel, the world 2,000 years ago was a world much like the world today, a world that was in darkness and despair. The oppression of Rome throughout its empire and the silence of God for that 400-year period following Malachi's ministry left the world in an inky, malevolent misery. And then, one night, in the village of Bethlehem, the dawn of a new era came. Luke 1 says, Because of the tender mercy of our God, the sunrise from on high visited us to shine upon those who sat in darkness and the shadow of death. The angel broke the news to the most unsuspecting of people, the shepherds. They were the first to witness the sunrise. Eight days later, the righteous and devout Simeon held this baby in his own arms and said, My eyes have seen thy salvation, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. The Apostle John puts it this way in the prologue of his gospel, verse 5, talking about the Word, calling him the one in whom there was life, that is, the one in whom there dwelt spiritual life, self-existent life. And he says that one whose life was the light of men, he says that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Or as some translations put it better, I think, and the darkness did not overtake it.
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not conquer it. And so today I want to talk about Jesus Christ, who is the light of hope. Christ's entrance in the world provoked an intense battle, a cosmic battle between light and darkness. On the one side, the powers of darkness. On the other, the purpose of God and his angelic host. The powers of darkness opposed the coming of the light. They sought to destroy the light. What they failed to accomplish through Herod in Bethlehem, they thought they had accomplished at the cross in Jerusalem. And for three days, the powers of darkness partied. And then their party was crashed. Because the light conquered the darkness, Jesus Christ rose from the grave. The light of the world is the victor in this most important and contested battle of the ages. John writing later says, The Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. The word destroy there does not mean to immediately execute the works of the devil, but it's really the word loose. He appeared that he might loose the works of the devil. The idea is to undo the bonds holding the devil's power base together. As our guest at the Christmas Eve service said on Friday evening, it was the pulling out of the thread that began the unraveling of all of the devil's empire. He loosed the works of the devil. In this context of the victory of light, Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. His victory over darkness secures hope for you in life's journey through this dark world that you live in. It is important for us to define the word hope before we go any further, reminding ourselves that hope in the biblical sense is not a wish, it's an expectation. It is an expectation that is noted for being favorable. In other words, it's not a dread. It's a good thing. And for being confident. It's certain. Nothing can keep it from coming to pass. So when you think of the word hope this morning, as we think of Jesus being the light of hope, understand we're talking about something that's good. We're talking about something that is for sure. Your hope in Jesus Christ can be explicated in three, in, in various ways. The light of hope is, the, in the first place, the hope that your past failures are forgiven by God. He is the light of hope, and that hope includes this wonderful thing, that your past failures are forgiven by God. John, in verse 29 of this same chapter, talks about John the Baptist seeing Jesus coming to him and saying, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
In his epistle, he writes, You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. Human sin is our failing to hit the mark, our failing to measure up to God's necessary standard of righteousness. Romans 3.23, most of us can quote it, for all have sinned and what? Come short of the glory of God. There's a failure. We have not hit the mark. We haven't measured up because of our sin. And our failures do two things to us. First, they bring us under the judgment of God because God is holy. Secondly, they deliver us to a guilty conscience. The only remedy for the judgment of God and a guilty conscience is forgiveness. Forgiveness from God. Because all sin ultimately is against Him and only He can forgive it. Christ's death for our sins and His victorious resurrection provide the only valid means by which God can extend pardon to us. But because of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, God is able to extend to us forgiveness. So that when we receive that gift and we have this light of hope in Jesus Christ, it includes the fact that our past failures are forgiven by God. If you sit here on this Christmas Sunday morning wondering about your past, feeling guilty over what you've done, understand that with God there is forgiveness because of Jesus. You don't have to live in the darkness of guilt. You don't have to live in the darkness of God's judgment. You may come to the light and be delivered. Now the hope that we have for life's journey through this dark world also embraces the hope that your personal weaknesses are purposed by God. John again talks about this in chapter 9, verse 1. As he talks about Jesus passing by and seeing a blind man, blind from birth, his disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he should be born blind? Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was in order that the works of God might be displayed in him. Verse 5, he goes on to say, when I am in, While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Here we have the hope that your personal weaknesses are purposed by God. In our Christmas Eve service, it was a delight to meet for the first time Kenny and Barb King's little grandson, born blind. What a wonderful little boy, three years old perhaps at this time, growing up with his acute sensitivity to other things because he has no eyes. Here we have a man like that. He had grown up to an adult stage of life. And Jesus says he didn't sin. His parents didn't sin. God purposed this for himself. And so I'm not thinking now of sins or even the results of sins. I'm not even thinking about weaknesses like occasional sore throats or a bad golf game. 
I'm talking rather about those afflictions and marks, those weaknesses, as we call them, that we bear long term, over a lifetime perhaps, challenges, handicaps, scars that we bear. Those things that so often become points of comparisons as we see other people and we wish that we were different like them. Whatever weaknesses we may have are ours by God's sovereign choice. We see this, don't we, in Moses? As he complained to God, I can't speak, I'm not eloquent. I don't have a quick reply for Pharaoh. And God said to Moses, who made your mouth? Moses, don't you know that I made you the way that you are? I think of our friend Jean Jordan who, goodness, has it been three, four years now, right at this season when he went to be with Christ, born with a cleft palate and lip, grew up as a young boy with that, that uh, problem, being teased about his being unable to speak and so on. God laid his hand on him and his family, called him to himself, and sent him into Christian work. And it wasn't until years later that he had surgery so that he could be corrected somewhat with this problem. Willing to serve Jesus Christ with that weakness that God had purposed in him. I don't know what your weakness may be. Paul had a weakness, though we don't precisely know what it was. But he said about it, Most gladly I will boast about my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may dwell in me. I am well content with weaknesses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. What a contradiction, so it seems. And yet it is in our weakness that Christ's strength and grace is made perfect. The light of hope that we have in Jesus Christ is that your weaknesses are by God's design and He will use them to glorify Himself. We don't have to walk in the darkness of comparing ourselves to others or wondering why this has happened or why we've experienced that the fact is that we can accept our weaknesses with gladness because we have the light of hope in Jesus Christ. Third, the light of hope that we have for life's journey through this dark world is that this hope that our daily temptations are conquerable through God. That our daily temptations are conquerable through God. John chapter 16 talks about this hope. As Jesus says in verse 32, Behold, an hour is coming, and already has come, for you to be scattered, each to his own home, and to leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. Maybe you feel alone this morning. I don't know. Do you notice what Jesus says here? He knows what aloneness is all about. But he says, truly, I'm not alone. The Father is with me. And if you're a Christian, you may feel lonely. Remember, the Father is with you. Then Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take good courage. I have overcome the world. 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. We have the light of hope that our daily temptations are conquerable through God. In this world, we will have temptations. The disciples had temptations, and they were facing their greatest temptation when Jesus spoke these words. They were going to be tempted to leave him, and Jesus says prophetically, you will leave me. They would fail this temptation. But he says, I want you to be of good courage. Remember this. I've overcome. And later when temptations came to them to forsake Jesus or to deny him, they were willing even to lay down their lives. They conquered that temptation. What are your temptations on this Sunday after Christmas? What are the areas of life where you meet the enemy head on and you're allured to disobedience or to denial? Jesus Christ says to you this morning, I want you to know you can conquer that temptation. You are not a victim. You are a victor because I have overcome the world. He went right on from making that statement to pray to the Father. And he says, Father, keep them. Keep them from the evil one. You see, we don't have to yield to the temptations that come to us in this world of darkness. Jesus Christ lives in us by his Holy Spirit. And in heaven he prays for us, enabling us to say no to temptation and say yes to obedience. You and I have this hope for our life in this dark world. It is this, that our daily temptations are conquerable through God. Our hope for this dark journey through life also embraces this fact that your individual troubles are measured by God. Go back to John chapter 11 for a moment. We return to this passage where two sisters are troubled over the death of their brother Lazarus. We talked about Martha. We'll look at Mary this week. Verse 32, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? Same thing Martha had said earlier. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus burst into tears. And in verse 40, Jesus said to her, Did I tell you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And then he raised Lazarus from the dead. What I want to point out here is that Mary and Martha were passing through a trouble in life. Their hearts were troubled, and Jesus' heart was troubled with them. Jesus felt with them the pain and the loss that they so keenly felt. He wept with them. What they were experiencing was measured by God. God was not laying upon them something they could not carry, nor something that he himself did not feel 
for he did. This experience for Mary and Martha, just like your individual troubles, are measured out of the hand of a loving and sovereign God who delights in you. Is it the illness of a loved one that you face? Have you received word from your employer that because the company has been bought by another corporation, your job is going to be phased out in six months? Do you have the individual trouble of having a sexual assault that has occurred with all of its horrors? What about the persistent pain that you bear of a child that's gone astray? I don't know what the trouble that you have in your individual life is today, but I want you to know something. Because Jesus Christ has conquered, because the light shines in the darkness and the darkness didn't overcome it, you can have hope in the midst of your darkness today. The hope, the light of hope in Christ because he is the victor he is the one who comes to us in our troubles who weeps with us and who keeps us encouraged in the midst of our troubles I must go on to the next hope that we have in Christ who he who is the light of hope that is the hope that your life's mission is determined by God Let's go to the last chapter of the Gospel of John to see this light or this hope played out in the lives of Peter and John. You recall that here in John chapter 21, Jesus gives to Peter his instructions. He says to him, follow me, Peter. Do what I tell you to do. And Peter looks around and he sees John and he says, Lord, what about this man? In verse 22, Jesus says, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. This saying, therefore, went out among the brethren that that disciple would not die, yet Jesus didn't say to him he wouldn't die, but only if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You see the point here? Jesus had a purpose for Peter. He says, Peter, here's what I want you to do. Peter looked over at John and said, Lord, what about him? He says, I have a purpose for John, Peter. That's not your concern. You follow me. I'll take care of Peter. I'll take care of John, rather. I'll tell him what I want him to do. What we see here is the hope that your life's mission also is determined by God. When there is no meaning to life, we wind up in despair. That's one reason that teenage suicides are skyrocketing in our day. The philosophies of man are beginning to take their toll upon our younger generation. They see no purpose, no meaning to life. If there is no meaning to life and you're in pain, then get rid of it. Be done with it. Kill yourself. It's very logical. The problem is, that it's based upon a false philosophy that life has no meaning. It does. And especially for those of us who know the light of hope, Jesus Christ, life has meaning. 
we have this hope that our life's mission is determined by God. You have significance beyond what you can possibly grasp as you live day by day. But someday your life's purpose will be realized as you follow Jesus Christ and do his will. The opposite of that is to waste life. Life is too precious to be wasted. Therefore, let's press ahead with what the will of God for us is. What we understand that mission to be. Understand that Jesus says to you, as he said to Peter, You, follow me. Do what I want you to do. Don't worry about others. You do what I want you to do. What a wonderful hope there is in Christ. To know that as we pursue what he tells us to do, as we follow him, our life has meaning. And finally, as we think about the light of hope in the midst of this dark world and our life's journey in it, we have the hope that our promised destiny is guaranteed by God. Those familiar verses in John chapter 14, where Jesus says to his disciples, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Here we have the hope that your promised destiny is guaranteed by God. As a child of light, you are called to inherit glory, the glory of God. Paul says, God calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8 where we see this further elaborated upon. Jesus in John 17 prayed, Father, I want those that you have given to me to be with me where I am. Where is that? In glory. In Romans chapter 8, Verse 18, he says, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. The anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one also hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. What? The hope. What is the hope? Glory. You and I have the hope that our promised destiny is guaranteed by God. The Apostle Paul, knowing that his own death was near, testifies to Timothy, The Lord will deliver me from every evil deed and will bring me safely 
to his heavenly kingdom. We have that hope. We have that light of hope in this dark world. That this life is not all there is. And that with all of its sufferings, it's not worthy to be compared with what's coming in the future. And what I've tried to explain to you this morning in my own weakness is that the story of Christmas, the story behind it, is the story of the battle between light and darkness. The battle is over. It's finished. And the light has won. The darkness has not overcome the light. It still shines in the darkness. And so we celebrate His coming and His conquest. That triumph has secured hope for all of those who come to the light, Jesus Christ, and who follow Him. The world that we live in is dark and it's getting darker, but not to fear. We are the children of light who trust Jesus Christ. We are not given to despair, but to living in hope. And though we may be tempted to upset and to troubled hearts, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe. Believe. Let's pray together. Well, what aspect of hope this morning brings light to your journey? I hope we've touched on it. I hope that as you leave from here that some area of life where there has been darkness may be lightened, illumined by the light of hope in Jesus Christ. I hope that you know him as your Savior and Lord. If not, we invite you to trust him today. Those of us who are the children of light, who've been translated, transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son, we have the light of hope for our journey. And because of that, our hearts can be still and be at rest, trusting in Him as we journey on faithfully through life, following Him. Father God, I pray today that you will apply this truth to our lives in such a way that it will bring renewed hope for any who are tempted to despair. And wherever we may be walking in darkness through life's journey in this dark world, may the light of hope in the sun illumine our path and dispel our darkness as we walk on toward the glory that waits. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like for us to sing a hymn in closing. And it is hymn 347 that says, Be still, my soul, God's on your side. Bear patiently your daily trouble, your cross of grief or pain. Leave to God to order and provide. In every change, He faithful will remain. Let's stand and sing about this light of hope that we have that allows us to be still and quiet and know that he is God. 347.